And, uh, and it was all sponsored. Jack Polk was going to sponsor it. It was all paid for, right? KMET, uh, Metro Media being, I must say, one of the most uptight, you know, organizations in the country in media turned it down because nobody that, that works for Metro Media, including their station managers, has anything to say. And yet it was over. No decision-making power. And Schnifter yeah, in New York right. is the only one. And yet it was it. over. Wasn't it through Metro Media, the distribution, that we did the television thing, the Les Crane show? That was before, yes. That was before. before. So oddly enough, you know... Oh, they have, they've they had us on. I mean, yeah. we've been on KMET in various... We've been in Metro Media but various they ways. they wouldn't cooperate with us. But once they found out we were there, they fired us. Yeah. That's well, always You know happens. about to put on on television? The yeah. last crane show? Yeah. We, well, we did the... We did, uh, 67, right? Summer... 67? Is this 60, 68. 68. 68. 68. Uh, May of 68. We recreated like the film festival routine <coughs> for television, yeah. in which, of course, we all played one character. Peter assumed that the personage of uh, Jack... of, of um, Peter Wolta, V... W-O-L-T-A, Peter Wolta, a film uh, critic who was writing a history of world cinema frame by frame. <laughs> <laughs> And, and David was Raul Zayis, who was uh, making uh, uh, films with Super 8 uh, cameras where he'd throw them up in the air and, and capture whatever he got before it hit the ground. And then he, of course, <laughs> found this rather limiting, limiting form. It was short films, exciting but short films. So he began dropping the cameras from high places, bridges and mountains and things like that, and got more interesting work. And he was given a Ford Grant, $50,000, to drop a Panavision camera down the Andes, which he did. <laughs> The uh, equipment was inferior to the Super 8, which fell apart. Fell apart half the way down. Uh, uh, Once uh, again, this was all improvised. Yeah, live, improvised, on, yeah, fantastic. On, on tape. And uh, uh, Phil here was uh, Jack Love. <laughs> Jack Love, a uh, 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 son of a leather worker. <laughs> who was uh, making uh, films for the Living Room Theater, the Theater of the Living Room. Uh, the Nun, uh, Blondie Pays the Rent, <laughs> Shoes. Giraffes, shoes right. and giraffes, shoes and giraffes, giraffes. fetish films, <laughs> and, and I played. The wore a Mick Jagger shirt and had a sword cane. That's right. Did I have a Mick Jagger shirt? Mick Jagger's uh, necklace. Necklace. Yes, yes. Kathy's necklace. Kathy's right. Okay. And I played. I'd forgotten totally about that. Did Jagger give her that, or was it his? I don't know. I think it was his. I think it was his. But he was Kathy's. Uh, this is Kathy Cozy, who's now married to John Sebastian. She was then my old lady. Okay. When she was younger. She yes. was my young lady. <laughs> when she was younger. <laughs> she was so much younger than... She's older than that now. Realize, uh, no, she's wiser than that. Uh, Orson Welles has moved up to 60 with a bullet. Yeah. With a bullet. Yeah, in, in the wake of the side of my catalog, man. Couldn't find it. Or, I'll find it for you. I will. I, 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 I We're that. connected. We, it'll happen. Oh, no, Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude, Orson Welles, who had made a film called Two Weeks with a Fred, which takes two weeks to see, took me two weeks to shoot. And I was shooting pictures of Crane with an 8mm camera at the time. And oddly enough, the picture, the movie that I just did was, uh, I play a character named Fred, and uh, I, I use a Super 8 camera and, and record pictures of people and things like that. So it's very similar to this. It was very bizarre like, three years later. So I've, lost, I've lost the context of this thing. Now, this is on the Crane show? This was a put-on. We did right. a Les Crane show. And Les Crane, over the protestations of his, uh, of his producer, uh, decided that it would be best if we didn't blow our cover and if we never revealed ourselves to the fireside theater. So sure enough, whenever Peter was speaking, the little logo would come up, Peter Walter, you know, and Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude, and Jack Love, and we went on and just carried them so absurdly out, and the audience was laughing at us, you know, and, 
and uh, Carl. Like, oh, seriously. Oh, sure. You know, like, and, and, uh, avant garde filmmakers. Yeah, avant garde filmmakers. And the whole premise was ultimately that we had to, we have, we must get, send the technical equipment and reach a point of making movies in the mind, like they do in Marrakesh, as Peter pointed out, which would soon be the new film capital of the world. And we sustained it for the entire show. Never blew our cover. Was never. Unless Crane was just beautiful. Crane was fantastic. He played in the role I used to play. He went straight. Another Sagittarius, right? Well, that's very interesting, Mr. Rosias, rolling cameras down. But do you think that's going to help the art for the movie? You know, of course. I mean, there's no question about it, Mr. Crane. And Les told me that it just went on. The most enjoyable thing he'd ever done. To put himself on. See. What about response from viewers or anything? Do you get any media response or feedback? Feedback? Yeah, sure. Even even today. Today we still get response to that where people where people are, are for the the first time realize after years that what we did was fake. Where See, somebody would go, weren't you? And oh my God, they really believed it, you know. And uh, at the time, the immediate response we had: Jimmy Gracio went to take a look, a leak in the in the bathroom, and the cameramen were in there. Yeah. And they were actually complaining. They were very pissed off. And they were saying things like that. Says that that uh, kid Zaye says he gets uh, fifty thousand fucking dollars to throw a fucking camera down a fucking mountain. <laughs> I only get two hundred a week to push this fucking camera around. <laughs> Overheard by Jimmy Garcia. <laughs> also, an item appeared in the New York Daily News. Oh yeah, my mother sent me an article from the Daily News, which said that young French filmmaker Jean Claude Jean Claude is in town, right? To, uh, to, uh, to make his movie 2002. Movie 2002 OD, a sequel to Stanley Kramer's film, which he admires a lot. You know, it was a 100% unmitigated right success, right and our name was our 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 name, the Fireside Theater, was never associated with it at, at all. Which is was wonderful. I mean, we we love to do that. You yeah, know? I mean, we love to obscure as much as possible. We're the it gorillas is, of the who uh, really uh, is doing the art thing. movement, I guess. In a sense, you know. Um, from perspective, now Crane has been fired almost as many times as you have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a greedy person, you know. Which, <laughs> which, which was this a network thing or a local thing out here or what? This was network. The second network thing. And they were syndicated. Metro Media syndicated. Metro Media. Syndicated, and it was major cities, right? And it was so successful that they replayed it on Thanksgiving and several other times. They showed it. They about showed it a lot. They still show it, I believe. Do they? I think God, they do. I'd love to get it. Too bad a tape isn't available. It is. It is. Well, we ought to get a film copy. I still say out of call. It only cost about $200. Okay, there is a guy on an album up there. It looks like Phil Austin from here. Look at the corner wall up one, two, three, four, five from a distance. Yeah, it does. It does, does, man. That is me. That is you. Oh, huh. Chris uh, Cock Group. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> You're right. I mean, two, that is two you. Over, there is indeed me. Doesn't it look like Phil from here? It's the moon. The moon. His hair looks like Hey, were you guys all in on uh, Roger Ram Jet? No, nothing no, to do with it. That was, uh, that's Bob Arbogast. Okay, and, I thought that was you. Uh, Gary... Don't know. Good, right? Gary U.S. Bonds? No. Gary Owens? No. Owens. no. Uh, Gary Owens. Gary, Gary Owens, Owens does the voice. Oh, I, I thought you guys could have... I think I've seen Arbogast's name as a credit on writing. Bob's very talented guy. Well, they both are. Yeah. Really? Well, we used to have a really good show with Mark. We've never written for anybody else. Perfect. With the exception of a couple of commercials. Have you had offers for people to, uh, you know, direct for them? Commercials. Yeah, we just got one. We got an offer the other day from somebody to to perform his musical work in Carnegie Hall. Naked rock, uh, naked uh, rock orange. Rock orange. Uh, rock it was the uh, naked thigh pudding. We're still no. waiting for a copy of the records. Nude rock, nude lunch, nude, nude wedding, wet, nude wedding concert. 
Nude concert, uh, uh, nude paper sermon. Nude paper sermon by Eric Saltzman. We, he asked right. us to to perform this work yeah. in Carnegie Hall. So we in consort in consort with him, I guess. Yeah. But we we haven't. No. We don't think we're going to do it. But we still haven't heard the piece. I mean, one of us heard the piece, but we don't we don't think uh, we're not really uh, accustomed to doing work like that. We we uh, we do our own stuff. We just we have enough to do of our own stuff. So yeah. That, if we're going to play Carnegie Hall, we'd probably do our own material. Well, speaking of stuff, now the KPPC. KPPC. Well, we are already fired now off of KMET, and things don't look heavy for another show, right? This is in 1968? 69. 69. This is 69. This is February. not 70 yet. February of 69. Okay, so February of 69. 69 was kind of a topsy-turvy year for, for men. Right. Yeah, and 69 was strange. Yeah, it was up and down. You didn't know which end we were at in right. 69. Right, we all switched around. So finally, uh, we did a few things here and there. I don't think we wrote a record in 69, did we? In 70, we did our third album. So in 69, what did we do? The Jack Poet commercials. We did radio commercials that came out of that. In fact, they were on the air when we got fired. And then we did some television commercials for Jack Poet. Yeah. Eight television. Oh, right, right. With, that, with the blimps advertising, the sky, yeah, yeah, the sky writing. Right. That wasn't our advertisement. That we were in that campaign. We, yeah. we we were mostly responsible. Where we were, he lost his franchise. No, no, no. The we second album came out. The second album came out in in August of '69. Right. I was just finishing up the reserves in the army. I, in fact, the first copy I ever saw of it was uh, on a weekend in Berkeley when I was up at uh, there for summer camp, and I went into a small record store and saw it for the first time. It was far out. Little tiny record. Yeah. <laughs> tiny. You're so yeah. yeah. What kind of feedback do you have on the Ford commercials? Did he make money? Did he? Was he successful? He was successful. Yeah, and people really heard them a lot and loved yeah. them. Yeah. The television commercials played on Channel 13, <laughs> and only played for a week and a half before Volkswagen said, "Get those motherfuckers off the air." Exact words. I don't care what you have to do. Really? Yeah. And um, we have copies of those too. We'll play them someday for the general edification. Did he lost his franchise over this? Don't know, but he did lose his franchise soon after it. He told me that he lost it primarily because he wrote Jack Poet Loves You in the Sky. He didn't write in the sky, he just wrote Jack yeah, Poet right. Loves You. Right. Uh, and and that, 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 that was the... Way, the anything to do with Jack no. Poet Loves You in the Sky, as has been imputed in some other interviews. Right, it's not true. I mean, that was all Jack's part of Jack's promotion. And, and that that apparently was the final straw. Well, we were just a part of back. Jack Poet's promotion. And, par and Volkswagen does yeah. not want, did not, apparently, Volkswagen did not want the individual dealers to become stronger than the organization. It had something to do with that. It had something to do with fascism. Fascism. <laughs> well, something. I don't know what. You know, that means use of funds. Your ply is open and your humans hanging out. Uh, uh, that has something to do with use of funds, you know, for advertising owners, which they wanted to control right. completely. That's, you know, their option, their business franchise and all that. Yeah. But nonetheless, it was, uh, it's, it's a little restrictive to creative business uh, effort, which is what was proved by that whole incident. And now Jack, of course, has a Toyota dealership, which is only fitting, and is working on propane cards really? to reduce pollution in the air, sure. You know, he's, he's consistent in, in his trip. He's, uh, <laughs> you can use your old photo line again. KPPC then, uh, do that, how, how long did that last? KPPC? Yeah. KPPC lasted six months. It was the longest was continuous show, really, that we, uh, that we had. Um, uh, let's see. Well, when we started, you mean? Yeah. So what do you attribute to longevity? And uh, friendly uh, working conditions, uh, no overbearing no, management, right? No nobody management in New York, 
and decentralization. Uh, all of that. It went from February to July of 70. About approximately. 